The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 834 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore. Joined today by the lovely, talented, and indeed a scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. Are we going to be able to edit out the vigorous chomping of the bone that is occurring right at your feet right now with Sweepy going to town on that bone? I don't think it will need to be edited out because... uh, of many factors that we don't need to go into, but she is indeed (laughs) enjoying the fuck out of herself right now. Yeah, she is for sure. Uh, So I know that we have spent a lot of time talking about cancer and my cancer in particular. And here we go. Continuing with the (laughs) cancer theme because you had your, post-op appointment with the amazing surgeon that you have. Have we promoted your surgeon's name? Do you we, want we to do that? We haven't talked. To, she said it was okay. Yeah. I did ask permission. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Joyce Wong is yes. her name. Yes. And she is a goddamn rock star. Yes. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Not just talented because she's, a, you know, saved my life and all that, but just great bedside manner, great demeanor. She's funny. Uh, Most importantly, she laughs when I make jokes. You know, all of the important (laughs) things. (laughs) She is very nice, very smart. It is amazing. She's she's a fantastic person. And you were so lucky to get her as well. We actually delayed your surgery. You could have gotten it earlier, but she was highly recommended by the doctor who did your colonoscopy. Yes. We had that appointment with her, and it was just basically to look at your stitches and ensure that you're healing okay. Mm -hmm. And you are healing okay. You still have to take it easy. You still have days where you... Overdo it a little, and it hurts. Yeah, Yeah. too much activity, and you need to kind of take it slow. We also wanted to get the green light on eating regular food. Yeah. So I'm not eating mush and, like, zero-fiber bullshit for the rest of my life. Yeah, because you had to be on that low-fiber diet after your surgery, and you are okay to go back to normal food, although she said, like, don't have a kale salad for lunch, and then, like, a a bowl of of beans. Yeah, Yeah, like, you can't just eat fiber constantly. I gotta work up to it. Yeah, so, I don't know if you want to go into the chemo information. Yeah, so I thought that we would walk into this appointment knowing whether or not I needed chemotherapy. Yeah. She wants me to go speak to a specialist oncologist, someone specific, um, to see if they recommend it based based on 
all kinds of really in the weeds, deep science. And I don't know if it's not the atomic level, but maybe the molecular level of the, the cellular level of what, what was going on, like how, how far it breached the, the, the walls of the colon. Um, she was talking about up and down lymph node, this or that. I mean, there's a lot of, um, real technical shit that she wants an expert to get their eyes on mm-hmm. and then see whether they recommend what would be a, a six-month run of chemotherapy to just make sure they got everything. Right, yeah, because there's a bunch of features, apparently, that go into the calculus of whether or not you should have chemo, and you only have one concerning element, which is the size of your tumor. Oh, yeah, I definitely wanted to talk about that, too. It, it was a T3 out of out of a rating of T4 was the max. Which is size. Yes. The size of the tumor on a scale of one to four, four being the biggest, mine was a three. So I missed the mark of being a real champion by one. Yeah, <laughs> that's one way to look at it. And so that's a concerning feature of your cancer yeah. that may play a role in in the chemotherapy. So we, we don't have an answer on that yet. We will have an answer on that, I think, within the next two weeks is when that appointment is with the oncologist. So more waiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little bit more waiting. <laughs> yeah. But you've been feeling good. You have been slowly adjusting to getting back to normal with your routine. And, yeah, and I walked like, like 12,000 steps a couple days ago. So mm-hmm. back to walking around and it's good. I feel good. I do feel good. Yeah. I'm off pain meds, which really was ibuprofen and um, and, and extra drink Tylenol. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I, have, I didn't take any yesterday, didn't take any today. I, I feel good. I feel good. How do you feel about the midterms, though? <laughs> I, I feel better about my cancer than I do about Democrats' prospects. Although, uh, it's not all doom and gloom in my brain. I, I, I Was that just a, a funny question, or you really wanted an answer? No, I want to know, because the midterms are today. They hopefully are. everyone has voted. Hopefully everyone is, by the time you hear this, has voted. Speaking of that, where Brittany and I will sit, drop it right now, early in the show... I don't know when people are going to be listening, but we're going to be doing a live stream on YouTube, a live stream on Facebook, and if everything worked out right, also on Twitch. Oh. Um, but YouTube's going to be easiest. Yeah. We're going to be taking questions from the audience. We're going to be covering uh, the live results as they come in. Mm-hmm. We'll have a TV on, maybe a, a couple of TVs on to, to, to be checking out what's going on. And uh, we welcome you. We, uh, we, it'd be a great time for everybody to kind of hang out and and watch the the results as they uh, roll in. Yeah. A la what took place in 2016. Mm-hmm. A far less technical operation. It was just us sitting on a couch in our living room in, in, uh, in California. I think we also did a 2020 live stream. We did it with, that was a lot more, like 60,000 people tuned in for that one. Mm-hmm. So we're... Uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, we would we invite you to join us. Yes, eight so, yeah. p.m. eight See, p.m. Eastern. That's I'm sorry. Yeah, eight p.m. Eastern, five p.m. Pacific. Yeah. So I'm um very very cautiously optimistic. I I think that the the way the early voting has been per, um coming in mm-hmm. and, and the overwhelming numbers that we've seen, like in Georgia and some of the young youth vote that's happening on college campuses across the country. I think it does bode well that something might, that it's not all we're totally fucked, democracy is over. 
I think there's a chance we're going to hold on to majorities in both the House and the Senate. Well, you talked about Georgia and the early voting in Georgia is more than 2.5 million in-person and absentee ballots were cast as of Friday. Yeah, that's Friday. And that's comparing to the 2018 midterms where 1.8 million voters cast their ballot in early voting. And what happened in the 2018, we, that's when Georgia turned blue. And also 2.6 million voted early in the 2020 presidential election. So we're at presidential election levels. For a midterm. Yes, in Georgia, which hopefully that's a good sign. Yeah, I mean, it is something I've never really understood because we vote and we talk about politics and our life is that. And I think uh, that's probably the case for just about everybody who listens to the show. They're involved. They they vote. So it, it doesn't really compute that you wouldn't vote in a midterm election, only go out for the presidential election. Right. For the general. But uh yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And there's a look, there's a lot of scary races out there. You've got this Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania running against Josh Shapiro, an actual credible former attorney general of the state. Um, you, you've got Carrie Lake, who's scary as fuck mm-hmm. in Arizona, running against uh, Katie Hobbs, the, the current uh, secretary of state. There are some very important races, and we'll be talking about all, all of that. So, mm-hmm. I would say that I am feeling stressed but optimistic Mm -hmm. and hoping for the best and hoping for some pleasant surprises by the end of the night me too (laughs) i don't want bad surprises yes certainly or i could break down crying during the live stream you never know (laughs) stay tuned hey tune in you never know what's gonna happen (laughs) on our live stream yeah that's funny so let's get to some listener communication uh, before we do, let's drop the phone number. If you too would like to sound off, ask a question, get a comment on the record, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. I did the thing. I had the awkward conversation with my mom about who she needs to vote for. She's been a Republican my whole life. Uh, she never went for Trump, thank God, but now she just hates everyone and thinks that everyone sucks. So this morning I was dropping my kids off for a day to hang out with her, and I said, hey, you know, you got to vote next week. you got to vote for Tim Ryan. J.D. Vance is a lunatic, and we can't have him in Congress. Uh, it, was, it was awkward, and I don't know if it worked, and I didn't like doing it, but I did it, and... I guess it's all I can do, right, is just talk to the people I know who might not go the right way because, God, I don't want I don't want J.D. Vance and his election denialism representing us in Ohio. So wanted to tell somebody, thank you guys. Appreciate it. I uh, love the show, as always. Brittany is the best part. Love the show. Brittany is the best part. Bye. Well, this is awesome. I mean, of, of course, these conversations can be very awkward, but I yeah. think the important thing is that you are doing what's important and you never know when one of these conversations is going to be the conversation that actually impacts someone and causes them to change. Not only that, I think it, it, it extends further than that. If you can convince your mom who, who, you know, it sounds like she was a stalwart Republican conservative if some of her in-group can see that she's opening up to voting for people who are reasonable, it might even influence outside of your particular family circle. And that's always, always a good thing. Mm-hmm. But Maybe. Good, for, good for you, having the having the awkward time. 
maybe his mom will be radicalized and then further radicalize others. That's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing from you. Uh, yeah, I guess if that's the way we're going to look at it. Perfect. Well, listen, you know, that question always gets asked of what was your radical, what was, what was the moment you became radical? What was the, the radicalizing moment? And, uh, I don't know that I have, there's not like one particular moment. Um, there probably is on several different issues. I think there's like 10 for me. Yeah. Should I start listing them? I think when I had to go downstairs at night to turn the heater on and then cover the vent with a blanket so that I could be uh, warm enough to fall asleep. That when you would were be, a kid. That would be one of them. Yeah. Uh, waking up early in the morning and it being so cold that I had to like leave my bed and get in the shower and it was painful. It was painful. And then I had to wash my hair with strawberry field suave shampoo that like cost 80 cents so what did this radicalize you like against uh anti it radicalized you to support poverty abatement measures by the government or just exactly against living in a place that's cold no well (laughs) i mean i guess both actually i live in a place that's cold but no yeah being being too poor to afford necessities like your heat you, you yeah. need to be able to have a, an appropriate temperature in your home to live and survive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, those are just a few. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a few too. But I, we, we're not going to... Let's not have gonna, a tragedy off. Can you... It's not even tragedy <laughs> off because I also grew up poor, but I also grew up Republican mm-hmm. because my parents are so stupid they buy into the trickle-down economics theory of fucking destroying America. They believe that, oh, all you got to do is work hard and you can you can be a success too. It's the American dream. And all of that is fucking nonsense. Mm-hmm. Absolute nonsense. So, you know, what are you going to do? Well, we had another radicalizing moment with the, the cancer, cancer. Yeah. diagnosis. Yeah. So that's why, I mean, there's like several points where you just realize how broken the system is, how hard it is for you to work your way out of the position that you were born into. Yeah. And I mean, some people choose to say, oh, I, I did it. Why can't you? Ugh. But by ho- the way, I'm still wa- waiting for the bill from the insurance company <laughs> to see how much we owe. Yeah. To have them save my life. Gotta love it. So great. <laughs> you have to pay. Oh, you want to survive? Sorry, you gotta pay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. You don't have a right to live. You've you gotta you gotta pay for it. Speaking of that, we should give a shout out. We got an email that someone made a donation in your name to ripmedicaldebt.org. So great. And this is from Helen K. So thank you very much to Helen K. It says, Dear Jesse Dollimore, RIP Medical Debt has recently received a gift in your honor from Helen K. This gift will be used to abolish debilitating medical debt. Very, very good. Thank you very much, Helen. That is a, a beautiful gesture and an organization I did not know existed. Yeah. So that's great. All right. Uh, thank you very much, anonymous caller. You didn't leave your name. Uh, moving on. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. This is Mark from Oregon. Uh, I was listening to episode 832, and y'all were talking about the Parkland uh, shooter that was recently uh, sentenced to life in prison without parole and the struggle with uh, state-sanctioned murder and whether it's uh, morally right or wrong. And 
I am in the camp of that I don't believe that state-sanctioned murder uh, should be uh, authorized. But I, I don't believe it's right. But I'm going to play a little devil's advocate um, here. What would you say about transorbital lobotomy for those that have been successfully convicted of violent or, yeah, well, we'll use extremely violent crimes. Uh, that it, that does include, uh, rapes, child molestations and things like that, or chemical castration of, or something of that sort to, uh, in lieu of a life sentence. Because from what little I know, I would assume that a lobotomy would, they would still be alive, but they wouldn't be a danger to anyone. But, Brittany, you are the subject matter expert in uh, the brain and how it works and functions. And uh, maybe you could have a different alternative to... uh, uh, punishment in such a way, or we just wait till they come out with cold stasis. Maybe we can put them in cold stasis and stack them, like in uh, so, uh, Sylvester Stallone's uh, Demolition Man. All right, love you, Jesse. Glad to hear you came out on the other end. I know your slip and slide's gonna be a little bit shorter, yeah, but hey, we should be regular. Uh, Brittany, you held up gracefully. Love to see you on YouTube. And Sweet Pea, you're the best part. See you. Bye. I've been bested by Sweet Pea. Well, Mark, it is honestly quite a leap to say that a, a therapist is an expert in brain-related things. It's 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 kind of a leap, so just put that. You're giving me a lot of credit. Why don't you just say I'm not an expert? Too much, <laughs> too much credit in in that regard. But uh, for people who don't know, the the transorbital lobotomy, which is no longer performed, it was also called the ice pick lobotomy, where they would jam mm. something through the eye socket in order to uh, cut away like what they believed were. troubling parts of the brain. Yeah, like related to overactive emotions and that by cutting the brain away, you kind of cut away feelings and things like that. So it was before we knew anything productive at all. And I'm not sure what the goal would be. Like, I'm not sure what Mark is after here because what it sounds like to me is just kind of torture of people. (laughs) Kind of an alarming take, I think. So, I mean, maybe he's looking for something that would immobilize people so they're no longer a threat to society. But if they're going to be in prison prison. forever, we don't really need to do anything further to immobilize them and and protect them from... Well, if you're talking about lobotomies, if you're talking about chemical castration, sterilization, these types of things, you know, the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution prohibits cruel and unusual punishment. So... Uh, those all seem pretty cruel and unusual. Mm-hmm. Also, for me, the reason that I am opposed to the death penalty has a little bit of a libertarian flair to it because 
I don't believe we should be giving the government that much power over our lives is the ultimate power, which is to choose who gets to live and who doesn't, Mm -hmm. who gets to die, who has to die. And um, why would you want to give that same government that makes mistakes relative to the death penalty all the fucking time? Why would you want to give that same government, that same mistake-making government, the power to cut away someone's brain, the power to chemically castrate someone i just it doesn't um if they're not responsible responsible enough to make the right decision in the death penalty then they're certainly not responsible enough to to choose whether or not i get to keep my nuts you know well and especially if one of the concerns which we did raise last time when we talked about the death penalty on the show is that a certain percentage of people are actually innocent and put to death or on death row then if you extrapolate that out in a situation where you're handing out lobotomies to people, you're going to be driving an ice pick into someone's head that is potentially innocent yes. uh, and, and not and not there because they're guilty. So not good all yeah. around. Like I yeah. can't find anything that would be positive about this. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think, I mean, listen, we, you know, a la not to drag back talking to Aaron Rabinowitz from Embrace the Void, but about deserving of punishment or this or that or whether we have free will and if they chose to do what they did. At some point, all of those arguments become moot because if you harm someone, if you rape someone, if you murder someone, uh, and you you just got to be removed from the from the equation so you don't hurt other people. But that doesn't mean giving the government the power to decide who lives and dies. It just... Mm-hmm. For me, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. So thanks for the call, Mark. We appreciate it very much. All right, moving on. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Victoria A.S. Victoria A.S. Benjamin N. Benjamin N. Jim W. Jim W. Curtis G. Curtis G. Thomas A.R. Thomas A.R. Sugar B. Sugar B. Alana A. Alana A. Maurice O. Maurice O. Suzanne. Suzanne. Tau K. Tau K. And Real Life Jolly. Real Life Jolly. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. And we would like to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters who have increased their pledges. And that would be Griffmeister. Griffmeister. So thank you so much, Griffmeister, for increasing the pledge on Patreon. We appreciate all of your support on Patreon. Remember, if you become a Patreon supporter and are a Patreon supporter at the end of the year, by the end of the year, 2022, then you will get the end of year gift, which we haven't yet revealed and may not reveal actually until it goes out because it's supposed to be a gift. It's supposed to be a surprise. So you're just kind of in it for the surprise. You have to trust us that we're going to do something cool and exciting and funny that will make you laugh. Even if it's dumb, 
the dumbness <laughs> will will elevate it to cool status because of just how fucking dumb it is. Is that how it works? I think that's how it works. Okay. So <laughs> stay tuned for that because of all of the issues getting supplies and the what what is the word i'm looking for supply the, phrase, the supply problems. chain issues we still haven't gotten new i doubt it stickers for the new patreon supporters we always send out that welcome package which is an envelope filled with stickers and the magnet which was last year's gift yeah and that is is delayed probably another few weeks because the company that we use to get our stickers isn't great apparently well they're having so. problems sourcing the particular vinyl whatever the fuck yeah so once we get that i'm a real expert in this area once we get that <laughs> we will let you know also if you happen to win the lottery you you have the winning lottery ticket in southern california one of them there was one don't forget us. Yeah, we would love a wealthy benefactor. <laughs> We'd love a little chunk of your $2.04 billion. Yeah. Which will come out to be probably just over a billion. And then after taxes, you know, $600 million. Sounds like a good situation for somebody. Can you remain anonymous in California? Do you I know? Don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you very much. As we, we drift off fantasizing about having not won the big old jackpot. All right. Moving on. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Joe Rogan continues. Uh, yes, Joe Rogan. To be a dum-dum. And this is kind of follow-up because we talked about comments that he made on his show when he had Tulsi Gabbard on. You remember when she was making the rounds because she officially came out as having left the Democratic Party. Yeah. And now she's out here much introducing to, much Herschel. Much to everyone's surprise. And now she's out here introducing Herschel Walker at campaign events. Carrie Lake. You know, she's really... She's really uh, gone from progressive to Republican quite fast. Yeah. It's very interesting how that happened. But Joe Rogan was telling her, hey, guess what? I have this friend and she's a teacher and they have these kids who require litter boxes. Because they identify as furries or whatever. Yeah. So then it came out that that was not true, that this was a right-wing conspiracy theory that was all over these right-wing social networks, that it looks like it actually originated from the fact that there are there was one school, I believe, where Columbine, Columbine happened, yeah. where they had kitty litter for like school shooting situations in case kids needed a go bucket. Yeah, if you're locked, if you're locked in a in your you're in a lockdown situation where you have to shelter in place and you're in a room with no bathroom, it it could be a problem. So they have buckets with litter in them. So you have a place to fucking go. It's not because of identifying as a cat or furry thing or whatever the fuck. It, there's a real there's a real purpose for it. Yeah, he brings up furries in this clip. He he hasn't previously talked about furries in the yeah. other clip. It was about I I. I'm just talking about the the conspiracy theory from Republicans when you hear idiots interviewed and they're talking about this because it's not just Joe Rogan. It's widespread on Republican um, messaging. Yeah. So you may have seen that he in in the headlines it said that he admits his mistake or he apologizes for his mistake. Whatever. Here he is talking to Michael Shermer. I don't think he does any of that. But watch him try to save himself. 
right? Or the kitty litter boxes in schools from last week. You know, that got spread around as a meme because it kind of fit the conservative view of, you know, liberals and their confusion about gender and sex. And, and, and but the kitty litter boxes is a weird one. It is weird. It's, you like, know, it's more I, like an urban legend. I, I fed into that. And let me, I should probably clarify that a little bit. I have a friend, and my friend's wife is a school teacher. And she told him that there was discussions in the school that a mother wanted to put a litter box in one of the bathrooms. And he told me this, and I talked about it on here. And then people were saying, that's not true. It's an Internet rumor. So I contacted him again, and I said, tell me exactly what she said and contact her and find out. She no longer works for that school. She works for another school. Hmm. She contacted the other school. She didn't get a response. I don't think they actually did it. I think there was discussions mm -hmm. about doing it because there was one particularly wacky mother, but there is it doesn't seem that there's any proof that they put a litter box in there. The reason why I was interested in it and willing to entertain it was there was about uh, 10 years or so ago we went to uh, there was a UFC in Pittsburgh. And when we went there, as we landed, we were driving from the airport to the hotel. We see all these people with mascot outfits on. We're like, what is going on? <laughs> and we talked to this guy, and he said, there's a furry convention in town. Oh, right. And I said, wow, this is crazy. So they all decided to get together. So they were at bars and on the streets, and it was like a get-together. They used to do it in San Diego, but at the time, San Diego was a little bit more conservative, and they were having a hard time doing it, so they moved it to Pittsburgh. And this was the year they moved into Pittsburgh. Mm. This is according to him. So we check into the hotel. The hotel, uh, the guy who was working the front desk was saying how crazy it was. Uh, these folks were asking for their food to be delivered in bowls on the ground so they could eat it like animals. And I'm like, that is crazy. And then he said, they asked for a litter box in the lobby. <laughs> Now, they didn't put a litter box into the lobby, but someone, according to this man, asked him for a litter box. Mm. I'm like, that is crazy. So I went and did a deep dive online. I went to forums where furries go, because I was trying to find, like, is this a thing? Do they mm. like to use litter boxes? Out of all of my searching, I could only find one poster, one guy, who said he had used a litter box. Mm. So this one person who was saying that he thought it was kinky and he liked to use it, he, they, it, them, whatever, liked to use a litter box. Mm. So that was all I could find. So is that something that people do or is it something that people talk about doing because it's fun? I don't know. But one of the things that I found about these furries is like it's sexual in mm. some sort of weird way. They, they, they like to get together and have sex with their furry outfits on mm. and they don't want people to know who they are or what they they want to keep the outfits on so it's a cosplay kind of thing yeah it's like a cosplay kink thing oh, yeah. that some people yeah. engage in like, yeah. how that got connected to gender i do not understand because it oh, seems to be Jesus. a completely different sort of kink but what I think people have concern with is that it's nonsense and that it's crazy. And if this nonsense starts getting into schools. How did it get connected? And if this nonsense gets into schools. I wonder. I mean. I wonder how it got connected to gender, Brittany. How weird. Maybe, maybe Joe Rogan should explore that question. I wonder how that happened. Weird. Well, and I, I really wish that people would spend more time dissecting how these conversations work because let's let's talk about it for a second so joe rogan you heard him say i fed into that litter boxes in schools thing 
let me explain that. He spent maybe 20 seconds talking about that and then immediately went into talking about furries. Right. So he he wasn't actually admitting fault. He wasn't actually spending any chunk of time at all clarifying the misinformation that he spread to his millions of listeners. Right. And he started talking about furries. He claimed that he did a deep dive online where he went to furry forums. Yeah, like four of them, right? And then he said that he found one person on a furry forum who said that they like to use litter boxes. In his in the in the course of his deep dive into the matter. Right. And how many, I mean, if Joe Rogan is on these forums, how many other people are on these forums that aren't actually furries, that are writing things? I right. mean, you can't just trust one post that you saw on a furry forum. Well, the other thing is, how many times did we hear him say, oh, this one guy said this, according to this man, this guy who works at the hotel? None of this is verified. This is all hearsay. It's my... My friend has a wife who works in a school. My cousin's neighbor's sister's dog. There's no, you know, like, as far as, like, the chain of custody of information, it's just, it's fuckery here. Right. So he goes from saying one person on the forum said that they used a litter box, and then he immediately goes to making fun of pronouns. Yeah. So he's doing the thing that he questions of how does this get connected to gender when he's doing the thing of connecting it to. In the moment. LGBTQ issues yeah. like gender identification, preferred pronouns, all that stuff. He's doing that as he starts making fun of their possible pronouns. And then he says, I don't know if they do this, meaning the furries with the litter box. And then he, the next sentence he says is what I do. What I did find is that this is sexual for people. <laughs> so he doesn't know if they do it, but he knows that it's sexual, the behavior that so anyway, this is a nightmare, and yeah. and Michael Shermer is the publisher of Skeptic Magazine. He's also a fucking bigot. He's he produ he publishes Skeptic Magazine, which yeah. I unfortunately am published in, and can't talk about it as though it's some amazing accolade anymore because Michael Shermer's at the helm. But he publishes Skeptic Magazine, and he's sitting there while Joe Rogan talks about this, and is demonstrating not, zero skepticism. Yeah, I mean, he could be following what Joe Rogan is saying, like I just did with these little yeah. notes of how did we get from here to here to here to here. Yeah. But no, he's not doing that. Yeah, just a couple of uh, short kings. Well, luxuriating in their fucking stupidity. I mean, then he has Matt Walsh on and is praising Matt Walsh for his quote unquote documentary. Yeah. What is a woman? And did you see that clip? Yeah. Matt Walsh talking about how there's millions of kids that have undergone puberty blockers. Yeah. And then I, they look it up and it's like a thousand or something. Yeah. The expert, the Daily Wire's expert on this subject matter, quote unquote here, giant air quotes, is off by many orders of magnitude. Right. Yeah. So the reason that we're talking about this is because it kind of fits into the larger issues that we're having right now with the with the fears over the midterms surrounding misinformation and grow, growing authoritarianism. And Joe Rogan is contributing to misinformation that specifically results in attacks on the LGBTQ community, including a recent attack that happened at the Donut Hole in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which was vandalized because they host drag shows. 
For the second time this month, the donut hole on Brookside is cleaning up a broken window. The small business, known for its sweet treats, had someone break a window and throw a Molotov cocktail through it. News Channel 8's Jeff Morgan is in Brookside. He joins us now live. And Jeff, there are some questions about if this is a hate crime. Well, Brent, at this time, uh, the fire department is not investigating it as a hate crime, though that is still on the table. We do know that the first attack came after a drag show event here, and this attack came just a few days before they were set to host one. And they also left a letter, though we don't know what the contents of that letter were. Once again, broken glass surrounds the entryway to the donut hole. Another attack on a small business that sells sugary baked goods for its support of the LGBTQ community. Both attacks centered around drag show events at the shop, the most recent caught on camera. You can see the man hang up a letter, then smash the window with a bat, and then toss in a Molotov cocktail. Fortunately, obviously, the business was closed, so nobody was hurt uh, at the business, and none of the first responders were hurt as well. The cocktail only caused minor damage. The fire department says crews responded quickly, and it didn't spread much. The Equality Center sent a statement following the second attack, saying this behavior is unacceptable, dangerous, and has no place in Tulsa. We know love is stronger than hate and will continue to support our community and those that support us. Oklahomans for Equality is a place for all those that need support and support the donut hole as they move forward. We also applaud the bravery for standing up against hate. As for the person who did this, uh, first degree arson charges uh, could be pending, but uh, right now that's all you know, left up to the investigators. Now, the uh, drag show event that was planned for this Thursday has been uh, canceled. They don't know if they are going to reschedule. Uh, the owner said they plan to be closed on Monday and Tuesday and will reopen on Wednesday. They declined to go on camera. Live in Brookside, Jeff Morgan, News Channel 8. So a small business was firebombed because they have drag shows and they yeah. are still questioning whether or not this is a hate crime. I mean, this is also the the attacks that we've seen we've seen on children's hospitals being targeted by anti-trans bigots from yeah. the far right that are influenced by people like Joe Rogan who attack the LGBTQ community who have Matt Walsh on to talk about his quote unquote documentary What is a Woman talking about how millions of children are being quote unquote mutilated, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. this is Yeah. This is the kind of stuff that then causes people to go out in public and firebomb a small business where they worry that drag queens are hurting children. It is, and as far as the hate crime thing is concerned, the reason that it, it likely will not, even if they do find out that this is the cause, it's obviously the cause, is because there is no protection. There is, in the hate crime legislation in Oklahoma, LGBTQ... Um, crimes that are based on that it's not a protected class so there is no such thing as a hate crime if you kill someone because they're gay it's not considered a hate crime in oklahoma because you know oklahoma yeah well and we're lucky that no one was hurt in this situation yeah. and we're we're lucky i don't know if people who have been hurt in the threats to children's hospitals where they have uh, affirming care for transgender kids but multiple bomb threats have been called in 
um, I think is a direct result of Matt Walsh and his uh, bigoted propaganda, his lies. Well, and Tucker Carlson, who yeah. has played a prominent role in all this as well. Yeah. And he's actually, since we're on the topic of midterms, he's been preparing his audience for the potential of election fraud. But guess what? Only if they lose. You know, it's only if they lose. <laughs> So here we are less than a week before the Democratic Party is expected to suffer overwhelming losses in the midterm elections. And here you have the leader of that party, Joe Biden, commanding you not to complain about the election results. Why is that? Well, let's see. Here's Joe Biden telling you that thanks to the changes, the many changes Democrats have made to our system of voting, all of which make voter fraud easier to commit, we may not know the results of the elections for a few days. But don't be alarmed. Everything is completely on the level. And whatever you do, do not ask questions or else you're a criminal. Most people, first of all, Tucker Carlson is one of the dumbest fucks of all the dumb fucks. It, it is remarkable to me that he has developed the, the audience that he has. It really only points to the fact that his audience is also filled with colossal dumb fucks. But what he's saying there, if you track what he's saying that Joe Biden is commanding you to not question the election results when most people believe that Republicans are going to win in the midterms. Mm -hmm. So he thinks Joe Biden is commanding everyone to not question the Republicans winning. It just doesn't even make any fucking sense. Mm -hmm. All it serves is to spark paranoia in his already conspiratorial audience to doubt that we have safe and secure elections here in the United States. Yeah, to create within the people that are already standing yes. guard at ballot boxes in Arizona, armed those people, to create within them even more fear and even more hostility. So, great. Well, listen, when, when you have a party that's filled with the likes of Lauren Boebert and Paul Gosar and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I mean, this is, they are the main stream of the party. And that's really, that is the absolute danger here with, with possibility, the possibility of Republicans taking back control of the House is that people um, heretofore are off committees like Marjorie Taylor Greene because the Democrats took action. Well, if she gets back, if they gain the majority again, she's going to be back on committees. And we know because Kevin McCarthy has stated as such. Speaking of oversight, Marjorie Taylor Greene says she wants a seat on the Oversight Committee. Are you okay with that? Will you support that despite her history of inflammatory remarks, denying the 2020 election? Look, Marjorie Greene, is she's going to get reelected. She's going to have committees to serve on. And on, just, over, on oversight, though? Would she's you be going to have committees to serve on, just like every other member. And every other member goes through a steering committee, looking at yeah. the best places to serve. Members request different committees, and as we go through the steering committee, we'll look at you're, And you're on the steering committee, so if she came to you and said, I want a seat on oversight, you would know you support I that? I, I'm one person on the steering committee. The steering committee... Although it has will more do, weight than other The steering committee will decide where we serve. But Marjorie Greene is going to have committees, yes. Yeah, she, she's duly elected elected by her yeah. district and has a right to serve. But you have no red lines in terms of which committee assignments she no, can get. She can put through the committee she wants, just like any other member in our conference that gets elected. Just like any other member, except for she's not. She's oh. not just like any other member. Yeah, not only that, they stripped Republicans, took action to strip Steve King of any committees he had, and he's the same flavor of white nationalist piece of shit as Marjorie Taylor Greene. So is this a situation where Kevin McCarthy 
sees the writing on the wall. He's fucking afraid. That he's not going to be able to continue to distance himself from this faction within the Republican Party because it's growing. It's gaining strength, gaining momentum. And It's It's why I say it is the mainstream. She's not fringe anymore. She's mainstream Republican. And he he had his moment post-insurrection to do something about it, and he chose Donald Trump. Yeah. So. Well, great. I'm looking forward to how things come out in the midterms, and it's only going to be positivity, guys. <laughs> uh, we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609, or you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Fox News is outnumbered. You know that show where they have a lot of people on the couch? It really, you know, talking about Tucker Carlson and the dumb fuckery there, every program on Fox is just a a fucking train wreck of stupidity. Yeah, so let's set this up. They are talking about a study that is discussing whether or not cats would be useful in animal-assisted interventions. These are, like, for example, visits when when they bring dogs to, like, a college campus and have students pet the dog in order to reduce anxiety and bring a little levity to, to the classroom. Yeah, they do this in hospitals and stuff. Yes, in fact, when I worked at an inpatient psychiatric hospital, they would do this at the hospital they would bring in a dog from time to time maybe once a week once every two weeks and it was remarkable I mean you would see the dog walk in the room and people would just come alive they would be absolutely overwhelmed to see the dog I mean it was remarkable they also had a bird that would come around I've heard of birds too and the bird you know, you know where they less do this? exciting but nursing homes they do this too yeah and so this study said basically that cats would garner a similar response, that there was interest in having cats in these types of interventions, similar to how dogs are preferred. And the dumb fucks at Fox News, they they mock this? I, what? They do mock this as though it is signals weakness in kids these days. This is just another example of how uh, we are raising snowflakes. <laughs> because, I mean, if you honestly can't make it in college, then just drop out. I mean, uh, well, although I know a lot of people want to take advantage of the freebies, but just drop freebies. out anyway. Do us all a favor. I don't think animal rights activists would be too proud of this either. I wouldn't want any college student manhandling my cat. <laughs> but, Kaylee, I don't think these kids need cats. I think they need discipline. I think they need a slap yep. in the face. Because these are the same oh, kids geez. that get a professor fired for being too hard on their way to medical Great school. Point. These are kids that can't even listen to a conservative viewpoint. They shout out speakers. They chase them off campus. But a cat will make everything better. Guess what? That doesn't work in the real world. Yeah, you're talking about my my professor that I love so much. I got NYU. Yes. No, I remember uh, on one of my campuses getting a note that there would be dogs and puppies for us uh, to soothe us during exam time. And I thought, is this real? I mean, no. What a distraction for kids who don't want to study. Number one. Number two, I don't need to be coddling 
having a puppy, I need my, you know, organic chemistry book if I'm, you know, in, in pre-med here. This is insanity. Give me a cup of coffee, a cookie, and a stack of books, mm -hmm. and I'm set. I don't need a puppy in my lap to study for exams. That's right. But they're also getting free tuition, too. So the list is endless of what these kids, kids are getting with our tax dollars. Uh, it is, and it's also part of the indoctrination. I mean, they are being trained. You might go in there thinking, I've got to get my philosophy book. I've got to get, you know, the chemistry book. And then you're told effectively by this, the university, no, you need a puppy. This, <laughs> right. is, this is what you need. You need. I mean, cats, I'm not so sure. Cats could walk away from you, which is even more traumatic when they don't come when they're called. But so, you know, I was on Wall Street walking my dog, my colleague, Shepard Mix, who's since passed away, named Sydney. And there were students at Wall Street near uh, the stock market. And they all ran at us, and Sydney loved it. But they said, we're, we're studying, we're in the midst of finals. And I said, I said, well, instead of hugging my dog, you should go back to studying. Amen. Tammy. And this, this is because. It Can we talk about things that didn't fucking happen ever? Overheard in a coffee shop. I know, right? I mean, they, the clip continues, but I just had to. That, no fucking way. Oh, we need to be soothed. Let's run up to some random lady on the street. It's the training for the real world. No one's going to hand you a puppy in the real world. And I think that's one of the most important lessons, right? <laughs> yep, 100%. <laughs> Nuts. I was hoping for a puppy on the couch. Maybe a cat. Okay, these kids are the problem. I mean, all joking aside, they're the problem. If you need a cat or you need a puppy, you don't belong in college. By the way, which was harder, con law or orgo? I mean, yeah, 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 I didn't take organic chem. I took con law and oh, I loved okay. it. Yeah, yeah con law so. was great. Big red book. These, this is an idea of building a society of betas. All right. We've achieved because we're a society of people who look forward, who are entrepreneurs, who go out and find something. Uh, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, all these innovators out there, Bill Gates, home, they founded something in a garage instead of petting a cat. They programmed a keyboard. Maybe somebody started a manufacturing plant with an idea. Ugh. They've never touched a cat. This just in from your, your typical Fox News viewer who resonates with this message. Uh, get off my lawn! <laughs> these kids, we won World War II, and now they want cats? Uh. I mean, come on. Yeah, I I mean, I was writing notes as as they were talking. And I just sounded like Homer Simpson's dad, by the way. You did, you did. <laughs> they were talking about how this is a distraction to have a dog or a cat visit. And I love how Kaylee McEnany was like, just give me my coffee and a cookie and my book. Uh, well, Kaylee, a coffee and a cookie, that's very distracting. Right. Okay, you need to open the book and really focus on that book. Fucking okay? snowflake. You need coffee to f perform? You need a cookie? Yeah, and then he's talking about betas. Like, uh, petting, petting a dog and petting a cat. <laughs> like, the comfort that comes from having a pet or petting an animal on a temporary basis for a few minutes when they visit your college class is they it doesn't make like, you a beta. <laughs> they act like, in well, one, it's it, this was just the buzzword fucking segment. Snowflakes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They need fucking slapped in their fucking faces. <laughs> they, it's just crazy. But they act like when you go through admissions at the university, it's yeah. like, okay, here's your list of things you need. Yeah. Papers, pencils, notebooks. You need your textbooks. You need a, uh, a, a fucking yellow lab puppy. I mean, right. 
Here's your assigned puppy directly from Joe Biden. Insane. Yeah. It's fucking insanity. When, again, the study found that people have a similar interest and openness to cats being a part of these programs as they do dogs. Uh, And they took it to be like, no one's going to hand you a puppy in life. That's not... Not in the real world, pal. That's that's not what's happening, you guys. All right. Well, that's insane. Here (laughs) is your palate cleanser. Taking care of biz. A traveling vasectomy clinic called the Nutcracker. <laughs> they really called it the... I saw it on the board here. Nutcracker. They really called it the Nutcracker? They do, and it has... Why, why not call it the Nut Slicer? There are sperm painted on the outside of it. Speaking and of the Eighth Amendment and cruel and unusual punishment. It is traveling because the vasectomies are in such high demand right now. We've talked about this before. In fact, we have put this in a Taking Care of Biz segment before, post-overturning post, uh, of Roe, because this is so important. And if you are at all interested in getting a vasectomy... Hopefully, the Nutcracker will be visiting you soon. What's your name? Jackson. Jackson, very nice to meet you. Inside this small trailer in St. Louis, a doctor and patient discuss a personal decision with discretion. You're going to drop your pants down to your knees. Granted, the outside of that trailer blows discretion out of the water. All right, come over. 32-year-old husband and stepfather Jackson Frazier is one of 60 men traveling from across Missouri this week for the same 15-minute outpatient procedure that traditionally so many dread. You just finished your vasectomy. Yes. How did it go? Great. It was awesome. I'm 40 now. Kids are really expensive. I want to, you know, take one for the team. Half will get vasectomies done in this sperm-clad clinic on wheels, the rest in a Planned Parenthood feet away. Doctors say demand is skyrocketing, and for most, it's no secret why. How much did demand surge in the wake of Roe falling? Oh, well, it's pretty evident. Back in June, in the wake of Roe v. Wade's historic reversal, Google Trends noted the search term get a vasectomy spiked, hitting an all-time high, with one study noting an 850% spike in searches for where to get one. Clearly, those searches were serious. The segment that I saw increase the most from my patients has been the, the childless men in their 30s. The rest of the patients are patients who probably were postponing the decision, but they had children already. We tried speaking to protesters outside the Planned Parenthood in St. Louis and reaching out to representatives for Right to Life Missouri, but so far no one wanted to comment. After gigs in St. Louis Thursday, the clinic travels to Springfield, Missouri Friday and Joplin Saturday. Each procedure, normally hundreds of dollars, free. Doctors say the fear is real. A fundamental human right, like determining what happens to your body, whether or not you continue a pregnancy or don't, that has been taken away. But I think there's a second part to this as well, which is they're coming for this right, what else is coming? Am I going to be able to make the decision to have a sterilization in five years? One thing is clear, more and more men aren't waiting to find out. I've got hit worse playing softball. It makes more sense to take the bullets out of a gun than try to put a bulletproof vest on somebody. I don't know why the impetus has always been on women when it starts with the man. I would argue it starts with the man. Somewhere, Samuel Alito is crying himself to sleep. What are we going to do about the domestic supply of babies? 
Yeah. All these men are getting in the way. Yeah. Well, good. Let him cry. Listen, I can speak from experience. I got snipped before we left California. Mm -hmm. It really is a 15-minute outpatient procedure. Mm -hmm. It is easy. It is, to call it virtually painless, it really is painless. I mean... It's fine. It's fucking fine. If you live in a state where abortion is a problem, uh, abortion access is a problem, just go do this. I mean, it it's so easy. Yeah, I mean, the key point there is also if you're not interested in having kids yes. or you're not interested in having more children, then yeah, go and talk to a doctor about this. And if you are younger, I mean, I don't know if doctors have historically given men problems for... <laughs> not wanting the procedure done by a certain age. I'm speaking from experience when I attempted to get my tubes tied at a young age and I was consistently told that I would change my mind about wanting children. And You're a vessel for men's seed. You can't get fixed. I don't know if that is, is, is how it works the other way around, but... I think doctors are possibly more open to to these things now because there are legitimate concerns. So if you happen to see a van with sperm on it, then just follow it. If you're interested in getting a vasectomy and (laughs) track it down, just follow the sperm van or Google the Nutcracker vasectomy clinic and see if they are popping up where you live. And listen, I I don't know what if, if people just have misunderstandings about the procedure and what happens in the aftermath. It's not like that you're going to be shooting out dusty cobwebs. Everything is normal. Everything, I don't want to get into too much detail. Yeah. But nothing changes. Uh-huh. So except no, for you don't have swimmers in the spunk. No dusty in the junk, cobwebs. In the jizz. All right. In the baby batter. It's not baby batter anymore. It's just regular old batter. All right. Batter light. All right. It's like non-alcoholic beer. Hmm. I'm I'm out. I'm out of metaphors. Thank God. <laughs> Similes, as it were. <laughs> We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We would absolutely love to hear from you. We would absolutely love to have you in the Patreon family helping produce this very program. Go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. We love you guys so much. Thanks for all of your loyalty and your listenership and uh, being a part of the family. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. Until we do, for Benny Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore. This has been I Doubt.